going on, man? Hey, hey how's it going, man? Happy, uh, happy Wednesday or happy uh, hump day, as I say. Uh, it's Thursday where I'm at, so it doesn't work this time. We're too late in the day, man. <laughs> what time is it there right now? Oh, 1 a.m. Oh, wow. You're up, uh, you're up late for this, but, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, it should be a, should be a fun show. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, like every time we bring a shipper on, we always get, you know, a bunch of knowledge on how to approach them, what they like, what they don't like. Um, the company, you know, it's cool company. Um, I've obviously used their tools in the past and I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting, uh, interesting one. Yeah. Now should we get, uh, get into it and bring, uh, Richard on? Yeah, let's go. What's going on, man? Hey, hey, Richard. Good evening, guys. Sorry, it's uh, 1 a.m. at your time. Um, <laughs> Don't worry 7 about 7 p.m. my time was the only thing that was going to work, man. So I apologize yeah, for that. My body <laughs> thinks it's living in America. We're all good. <laughs> I'm not the earliest, then. It's 6 o'clock here, so um, oh. I'm not the earliest time. Well, thanks yeah, again. To... No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say I had to squeeze in uh, the boys' weight room time, so that's why we had to push it to 7, so – Oh, well, Health we're happy. first, man. Health yeah. first. We're happy to uh, happy to have you. I mean, I guess maybe to start, you want to just we kind of ask everybody this. It's always a fun question, but you know, how did you kind of get into transportation, logistics? Uh, you know, trucking. <laughs> sure. Um, it was a very odd path for me. Uh, I was involved in running my own business, personal training, strength coaching, in the Atlanta area, and I was working on my graduate degree at the same time. Um, graduate degrees in that field. It's in performance enhancement, injury prevention, rehabilitation sciences. So nothing to do with freight, nothing to do with warehousing, logistics, anything. Um, when I finished, I started looking at wanting to do other things. I was working really crazy hours. Sometimes I would train people that worked, you know, certain jobs at 1 a.m. It's the only time they could work out. So I would drive to them at 1 a.m. and train them. And it was just really hard having four kids to kind of have a schedule like that. So I was looking for something a little more stable, regular hours, kind of like nine to five. And happened to be, as soon as I finished up my graduate degree, Lowe's recruited me based on my leadership background, um, coming from the Department of Corrections early in my career and being a manager and leader in the Department of Corrections. They kind of saw me, the GM at the time, saw me as someone he could mold and teach warehousing to. Um, I already had the leadership background. He figured it'd be easy to show me the the warehousing piece. So got on there for about a year and a half and then got recruited into transportation. Um, took it. It wasn't really sure what I was getting into. Supported uh, RDC 960, which is a million and a half square foot building at Lowe's. So I reported to corporate, but I worked out of the building. So that kind of got my feet wet in transportation. Uh, did a lot with, we serviced 157 stores. So I did a ton with moving store loads, servicing the stores, talking to store managers talking to district managers, um, seeing all the nuances of basically moving freight for Lowe's, uh, which kind of reminded me of prison work, high speed, got to change on a dime. You know, you come in with this plan of what's going to happen and you get there and it's not, the plan is out the window, it's upside down and you got to pivot. And I liked that more than I liked being on the floor in the warehouse. So I worked there for another year and a half. So about three years at Lowe's when Husqvarna reached out and was recruiting, um, and I just, it uh, seems like my career in transportation has been kind of luck of the draw, uh, been in the right place at the right time. Uh, and I, I applied, interviewed and, and got it. Um, basically came on as an inbound transportation manager and inbound domestic and all of Canada. And then through restructuring, and I ended up a year later taking over all of North American transportation for Husqvarna, answering to a senior VP in Sweden. So very short, not a, not a really long career, but it's been a rocket ship 
from ground level to where I am now. So um, love it. Love everything about it. Like I said, it's 100 miles an hour. It's I'm, I'm on the computer before 6 a.m. And sometimes I'm on my phone until 9, 10 o'clock at night. You know, I'm on my phone at wrestling meets. I'm, I'm doing things constantly to help our customers. But in the end, when I go to bed at night, I feel like I've accomplished something. And other jobs I've worked, I didn't have that same feeling. So it's uh, something that's become my niche, something I plan on staying in until I retire or until I die. Maybe I'll never retire. Maybe I'll just work remotely the rest of my life. Um, but yeah, um, it's been, it's been awesome. I really love it. So. That's cool hearing your background too, at the department of corrections. You don't hear that very often. Do you think that, uh, you know, helped you in logistics or I'd love to hear, I know it's not really related to freight, but I'd love to hear about sure. kind of what that was, what that was like um, working there. Yeah. I mean, coming from Pennsylvania where I lived until 2018, um, those jobs are state jobs. So they're union jobs, right? So state police, uh, in Pennsylvania is an incredible job to get into state prison system. And then, the the, uh, pen dot, which is what they fix the roads. Those are all state funded jobs. So you get constant raises, you step up, step up over, you get protection uh, from the union. You get, in my case at the prison, I got at 10 years, I could take partial retirement with full medical benefits for the rest of my life. My kids have medical benefits till they're 26. So I wasn't planning on doing that. Obviously when I graduated from college, I had a degree in exercise science. I wanted to be a strength coach. I wanted to work for a big university or an NFL team. And I kind of fell into that job. And once I got in it, I was actually working in the sports and recreation department within the prison. So working with the boxing teams, working with powerlifting teams, uh, running all the sports, they slowly started to restrict everything. Um, and I moved on into different roles, into leadership in different roles, taking on um, counselor positions in a restricted housing unit, which is like a prison within the prison, right? Inmates that commit violent acts inside the prison go to the restricted housing unit. So I worked on that for a couple of years. And I think it helped my life in general with everything, right? Conflict resolution, dealing with stress. When, when things go wrong in transportation, no one's trying to kill me. You know, when things go wrong in transportation, there isn't there isn't a death, there isn't a suicide that we missed, there isn't you know staff being assaulted. It's 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 freight, and to be honest with you, it's it's lawn and garden freight. It's not we're not transporting you know hearts. They're going to be you know someone's going to get a, a heart and a transplant. That's not that's not what we're doing. So it, it allowed me to see things as they really are. A lot of people in this business, a lot of my coworkers and in, in other, especially working for for Lowe's was very high stress and they were constantly like, man, this job is like at high blood pressure, this and that. I'm like, this is so easy. Like I would take this in a million years over what I did for 10 years of my life. But on the other hand, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for anything because I learned how to deal with difficult situations. Like I don't, you know, if I'm dealing with a problem and someone is elevated, somebody's angry, I don't rise and meet their anger or rise above their anger. Right. I try to keep it down. I try to squash the conflict. And it made communications at Lowe's with drivers at the gate so much easier. It was so much easier to go out and talk to a driver that was being, that was upset for whatever reason and to get him to come down and actually understand what was going on versus escalating it. Some people in this business, they just escalate it, right? Cause you get angry, you're stressed out. You, they're screaming, you start screaming. And it allowed me to just take that and be like, Hey, you know, we, there's other ways to work this out. Um, which in this business, like I said, is, is tremendous. Um, it's kind of weird that I ended up in freight because I think transport, I think uh, the prison work taught me a lot about transportation in general and how to deal with issues in transportation. So anybody out there that's interested in transportation, go ahead and do like five, five, 10 years in the prison system working first. And then 
it'll be smooth for you. You can get in and you, and you won't have to worry about stressing it as much. This oh, sounds that's... like a, an infomercial for PTSD, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's cool to hear, though. Uh, Lois, so you were a lot of, you know, sometimes, you know, shipping managers, transportation managers, you know, they're not on the you know ground floor dealing with, you know, drivers. But it sounds like, at, you know, your experience with Lowe's, you kind of got to see, you know, from, you know, the ground level of, you know, what like brokers deal with a lot sometimes of yep. angry carriers and, and maybe yep, talk absolutely. about, that experience because that's that's kind of a cool not all shipping managers have that uh have that experience yeah i mean when i worked for lowe's i was a transportation supervisor so we had the building i worked in ran 24 7 so we had supervisors for each shift in transportation and we had associates that we brought into our team that worked the guard check so they would check drivers in check drivers out tell them use our yms to tell them where they're parking where they're what empties they're picking whatever so we would basically support them in the guard shack so anytime i mean and to be honest with you at that building so much at any time you could have you know a million and a half two and a half million cube on the yard i mean lowe's is a monster it, it's we had two thousand trailers on our yard frequently and we had an off-site yard that we would fill as well in peak season which for lowe's is same as us far as the springtime right how many dogs so you would have go ahead Sorry. oh we had no, we had 155-ish shipping docks and at least that many receiving docks. Uh, you guys are one of those scary places where, where we can't be five seconds late, man. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's one of the things. Like, We would have trailers literally from our guard shack all the way up our road leading down to our building onto the main road, backed up to the main road. We would have the sheriff's department in almost on a weekly basis telling us you've got to get these trailers off the highway. Like They're sitting on the road waiting to come in here. So obviously a lot of those drivers would be super upset, right? Because they were waiting for so long. Um, so a lot of the problems we were getting into was obviously drivers have other loads to pick up or the driver came and was supposed to pick a load and their dispatch gave them the wrong load. It wasn't, it wasn't us. It was Lowe's in Georgia. They weren't even in the right place or they're bringing a load to us. That's supposed to go to an RDC in Texas. You wouldn't believe it happens, but it does somehow they end up in North Carolina when they're supposed to be in Texas at an RDC with the load. <laughs> So those were common threads and common things that our, our associates had dealt with. And anytime it was escalated into yelling or, or they were cussing out my associates, then I would go out there and support them, obviously. Um, I would say there was only a handful of occasions that I had to ban a driver from coming back on my yard. I didn't like to do that. I understand the pressure they're under. I understand the job is difficult. And I understand Lowe's is a monster. So when you're coming in there, like you said, there's so many moving parts. There's 10 yeah. switch truck drivers on the yard at one time. And we basically would have the driver drop his trailer in a certain lane and then pick up an empty and leave. So the drivers never moved stuff to the doors. It was always just all the switchers moving stuff. But there was a lot of intricacies and moving parts where if you were new on the yard, you would drive around that yard 10 times and not know where you were going. So I understood the issues that we were having and I understood how to communicate with them, how to provide them with documentation. I personally made maps of the yard to make it easier on the yeah. drivers. So I can say, Hey, if you're going to the one thousands, it's that way, take a right, go around the building, take a left, that kind of thing. Um, sometimes the associates we had couldn't really deal with the conflict. It would kind of elevate them. Of course, if you're working a night shift, right. And you're there from 5 PM to 5 AM it's midnight and the driver doesn't know where you're going. Things are going to happen. Um, so we dealt with those issues as they arise. Thankfully, 
it was fairly smooth. I mean, if you looked at, I think somebody talked about today on LinkedIn about Google reviews. You look at Google reviews for that building, they're terrible. There's pictures of a line of trucks that are like a mile long trying to get in there. But you just have to understand, we would drop three, 400,000 cube like in one shift, right? Because it's just the, the monster that is Lowe's. No, I never really thought about it like um, until we just started discussing it. Like DC is like this exact type of facility, like as a carrier is like a nightmare for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I saw for the first time doing power only recently, my driver asked him like, hey, like, well, what's going on? He's been there like 40 minutes dropping a trailer. I'm like, Yo, like what, what are you doing? Like, And he sends me a picture of that same situation where he's like <laughs> way out. He's not even on the main side street. He's on like the side street to get to the side street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, what's going on over there? And the DCs, yeah. like you said, like, there's so much conflict that goes on in those places. Like, I always tell my drivers, this is a DC, don't be late, be nice to the people. Like, if you're late five minutes, I can't help you. Like, you yeah. just got to understand where you're going and, you know, be nice. Because, yeah, like you said, yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> we, we tried our best because we did handle about 30 to 40 live unloads a day as well as the drops so we would schedule live unloads that via email right the carrier the broker somebody would reach out and say hey we have a live unload for you guys it's um i would tell them these are my times available they would say schedule it for 9 a.m if the driver was a little bit late it was okay i would call the receiving doc i would say hey can you guys work this guy in he's 30 minutes late he got lost whatever the issues we had is when the guy with the when the broker made a 9 a.m. appointment and then told the driver show up anytime they'll take you. So the driver would show up <laughs> in the middle, six or seven o'clock at night, right? And mm-hmm. my team would be like, well, "We your appointment was at 9 a.m. Like we cannot take you, and we don't ha- we don't have on site parking there." When I worked there, we had a bobtail out, but you couldn't stay overnight, so you had to get back on the highway and go to like a rest stop to wait until the following morning and hope they could get you on the schedule, and because there's so much freight moving and, and a lot of times the drivers and the, and the carriers would fight me tooth and nail on this, but because there's so much freight coming in and out of there, like we could not squeeze you in. It just wasn't yeah. possible if you showed up then to say, Oh sure. We've got an opening for you because every bay had a trailer in it. 24, yeah. 7, 365. I mean, I had the one lady at a DC, this became my famous line. Now when I deal with DCs, I went somewhere, we were like a half an hour, 40 minutes late, something happened. And the lady told my driver, I heard it. Like he was on the phone with me and she goes, she turned the computer monitor so you could see it. And she's tapping. She goes, do you see this? Do you see your name? You are late. Have a good day. And like turned it around. <laughs> so I started yeah. telling my drivers, like, do you see your name? No, you're late. Like that's the, the how it goes over there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And like I guess I usually tried to work with them because I know, I know if a driver tells me I was told I could come anytime and they're almost 10 hours late, they were probably told they could come anytime. But to be honest, <laughs> The broker probably told him that because that's the only way they could get the load picked up and ran, right? So like, hey, yeah, yeah take it. As busy as we hide, were. And, and They hide the DC's name a lot. Like they won't put Walmart DC, you know, Lowe's DC. They'll put like <laughs> Lowe's store number 960. Like they'll hide yeah. the fact that it's a DC from you. So yeah, and stuff happens, man. I know like you guys are obviously not trying to trying to, to make people late. You're not trying to, to tell us come back in five days. I mean. Like you said, it's just the volume you guys are moving is insanity. So, yeah, and that's why now in the position I'm in now, uh, when I when I do contracts with carriers, when I talk to carriers, I tell them, hey, I understand. So many things in this business are out of our control, right? You told me you would pick up at five, you'd be to my say it's an expedite, expedited load. You pick up supplier at five, and you'd be to my building by nine p.m. before it closes, and I find out 
you're two hours away and it's 9 p.m. Accidents, especially in this area, if you have to go through Atlanta, if you have to go through Charlotte, I mean, it's bad enough in a vehicle. I cannot imagine it in a truck. Like, I don't know how they do it. Kudos to them. I, I hate it. I hate going into Charlotte. Thankfully, my corporate office is my side of Charlotte, so I don't have to navigate that. But I'm just in awe that these guys can do that. So I'm not super hard on them. Um, if it's repeated from the same carrier, obviously it's going to be a problem. But if it's a one-off, I do as much as I can to say, hey, is there anybody that can stick around at the building? This guy's going to be late. Can someone just be there to, to receive it? Just one person to be able to get this stuff off the off the truck for him. Um, because I understand it, right? I think that's one thing Lowe's being there at an RDC and that volume of a monster taught me was that there's so many intricacies that come along with this. We can't control the weather. We can't control an accident. We can't control flat tires, truck breakdowns, things happen. And you have to be a little bit lenient. You can't drop the hammer on somebody because it happened one time. Now, if you call me four times, four deliveries in a row and tell me your truck broke down, then yeah, that's probably going to turn into a problem. <laughs> but you know, some new trucks at that point. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I try to, I try to be, I mean, I think one time on LinkedIn, somebody said something about, I must be terrible to work with. And I am super, <laughs> I am super, I am a perfectionist with my own life. My, my children will tell you I'm a perfectionist. There's certain things that I expect. Um, but I've, ex I expect that on myself, right? I'm not going to be a dick to you and then not treat myself the same way. So to answer that question, I think my carriers like working with me because they know I demand as close to perfection as possible, but they also know I understand this is free, right? I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to dump you because you've made mistakes. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to ask you, what's your plan to fix this? Show me what you're going to do to put the pieces in motion. They tell it to me, Hey, we're good, you know, and we move on. So I'm glad you brought that up because I kind of segue into the, um, you know, the communication, you know, the sales aspect. Um, you know, there's a lot of topics I'm sure that you've talked about on LinkedIn, a lot of our, our viewers. Um, you know, how big is that, you know, for you as a shipper, you know, the communication and knowing when there's, you know, a problem instead of hearing about it after or, you know, you may want to just touch on the communication you know, aspect. Yeah, of the yeah, sure. For me communication is everything. But in the same point, if I hire you as a carrier and I put my trust in you to move my freight, I expect you to communicate, but problem solve on your end, right? If you have, if you have a truck breakdown and while you're communicating that truck breakdown to me, you have a recovery option already in motion, right? You're not saying to me, Hey, we broke down. Do you want us to recover? Of course I want you to recover. <laughs> There's no reason to even ask me that. Right? So, Communication is definitely key. If it's 3 a.m., I still want the email. I'm not going to read it until I'm up at 5, but I still want it because then when my senior leadership is like, why was this late? Say it's a line down situation, which for us, sometimes line downs are far more expensive than you know it costs to ship the load. So if it's a line down situation and I can say, this is why it was late, the truck was in an accident and I found out at 3 a.m., that's forgivable, right? But if it's late and it's four hours past and I finally get an email saying, hey, by the way, the truck broke down, sorry, we're still two hours away, that's a problem. Um, and with those carriers, usually it's an expedite carrier, I won't allow too many of those to go on before I cut ties with that carrier because 
it is we manufacture manufacturing is much different than rdc right we don't we aren't just housing goods we're making our products and if a line goes down you're talking about labor lost because the people working the line can't work anymore you're talking about you know deadlines aren't being met so it's a massive thing to miss when it comes to that a lot of carriers have reached out to me on linkedin and said hey we'd love to expedite for you and i get it but i have such a solid stable of expedite carriers right now that don't miss if they miss, it is, a, is legit an act of God. Like the truck is upside down on the highway is the only way they're missing. Uh, if they break down, they recover. You know, they do everything they can in their power. And I've even had some of them that have done everything and still were late and knocked 50% off the price because they're like, hey, we're, we're, we apologize for this. Let us cover half of that freight for you, you know, that kind of thing. And because of that, I don't have a need to expand out and try to bring more of them in, right? I, they're proven. And as they start to say fall off for whatever reason, that's when I go to my, my little book that I keep. Like I, I think everybody who emails me or PMs me, hundreds of people think that I don't pay attention, but I, I have notes in this of every oh, wow. carrier that is PM'd me, emailed me. And I use like a rating system, like from the jump, you know, how, how did they come out of the gate and this PM or this email or this cold call? Like, <laughs> Was it salesy from the jump? Was it, you know, if somebody says to me, hey, I'd love to have a beer with you some night. Well, you should, if you read my LinkedIn and you know me, you should know I, I don't drink, right? You should know that I, those, you know, you bring me donuts to my office. You should know I don't eat donuts. Like you're not doing your homework. I and mean, that puts people in certain categories in my notebook of, hey, when I am looking for carriers, trust me, the people have reached out. I know I have you in my book. I know I have you rate. I have tabs on these pages. I know to go to my five-star tab because I'm looking for hammers, right? How how do I get into your five-star tab if I just <laughs> put you right now, man? I'll, I'll just surprise <laughs> you right now with uh, uh with my power-only sales pitch, man. Maybe I'll make page five. <laughs> That's cool. You can put, you can put pitch to me during a podcast. So that, that there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I got That's one question for you. Um, oh, one no. of my drivers told me this a long time ago, and it's just been in my head for my whole life now. Like you, you're talking about the lying down situation. And um, mm -hmm. I got into a sticky situation a couple of years ago where um, we, we were on a production load and we had some flat, something happened to the truck. And uh, the broker was like, oh, we're going to fine you like more than the line haul because it's, you know, you shut down a whole factory. And uh, my driver told me like, brother, if one truckload is going to shut down the factory, like you might have bigger issues at hand. Yeah. You know? like, like, how does yeah. that happen? How does one truck, like, how does, you know, like a couple hours difference? How is that going to happen? Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, it's driven, it was driven by COVID. So suppliers during COVID got so far behind that they just couldn't keep up with demand. Cause obviously everybody in the, in the world was shipping more during COVID, right? It was yard out. We had, we had more stuff to ship than we had actual carriers to ship it. So I think a lot of manufacturers signed deals with suppliers saying, Hey, because we can't get people to work because of COVID, because we can't make enough parts because of the demand. Like if things need expedited, you all as the manufacturer have to take that on yourself to be able to handle that freight and get somebody in here. If we can get you two pallets and you need it, get it. And when it comes to manufacturing, a lot of times, if you're opening at eight and you're starting manufacturing at eight, right, you may get a part that needs to be welded or something needs to be done to it. So it needs to be there the night before, because if it's not, the 4 a.m. welders can't come in and, and get it ready. So it's ready to go at eight. So it's not necessarily that we waited so long that 
if it's not there on time, it's going to shut it down. But it's usually like something else has to be done to it first to then make that component or piece usable on the line. Other times it could be you have a production plan and and it goes out the window and they change lines out and suddenly the inventory they had, they don't need, they need this inventory over here. So a lot of times coming out of a holiday, there may be a production plan and all of a sudden we're, we have 10, 10 different things that we need that we don't have because we weren't planning on manufacturing that, but then it got shifted for whatever reason. So now we're scrambling being like, okay, there's 10 expedites coming in. So we can run this line on time the next day. So it's oh. never really like it's got to be here by 8 a.m. because we need the part. It's always because something else has to be done yeah, to it. My first. driver like put it in my head where I've just been imagining production loads where it's like some idiot forgot to order <laughs> something. And you guys yeah, have no. one truckload behind on a whole factory. No. And that's just always been my image of it. Like, yeah, it's typically, to be honest with you, it's typically a supplier issue, right? The supplier just can't make enough that we don't get full truckloads or even LTL. We prefer to do that. We prefer the supplier has it, can send it to us on a regular basis, but there are times where suppliers too far behind and they just can't do it. Yeah, you're just too big, of, too big of an operation to, to stockpile enough inventory at that point. Yeah, and you gotta you have to assume there's probably other people, other companies that make the same kind of equipment that may use some of those same components, right? Whatever it happens to be on the on the machine. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal Matt's question, which I know is his next question. How <laughs> okay. well, my next question is? <laughs> I know what it is. You ready? I can read your mind, bro. So if a broker or carrier should be approaching you for your business, you know what are some do's and don'ts? Sure, that was close. Um, I was gonna ask first. I was gonna say how many people since you get on LinkedIn. I'm sure you just get inundated with. Uh, oh, with since I've. <laughs> Since I've been on, since my first actual freight related post, um, what's funny is I've been posted on LinkedIn for years about lots of just random things, mostly trying to be super positive because let's face it, LinkedIn and almost all social media is, is overly negative and it drives me crazy. Um, I always try to be on the positive side of life, just different things I've been through in my life, uh, working in a prison environment, seeing <laughs> violence and death like firsthand. I always just try to be super upbeat and positive. So I've been posting a long time, but the, when I finally posted something about, hey, you know, so many of you reach out to me and you pitch me from the jump, like I have no interest in that. Like I, I won't even accept you because I want to talk to real people. I want to know like who you are and why you're interested in this and what's driving you to want to move Husqvarna freight. Um, so since I made that post, I would say whew, 200 a week. Uh, but are they all just straight copy paste like like 80 percent of that's copy paste (laughs) uh well you know it kind of drives me crazy because obviously i post a lot on linkedin i try to post every day sometimes multiple times a day and i'm just like just if you really are interested in for whatever reason in doing shipping for me running my freight like take the time to read my stuff so if you if you ask to connect I connect with everybody. Like if you send me a connection request, I'll do it. I may be hundreds behind, but I do catch up eventually. And if you PM me from the jump and say, uh, you know, I have 10 years experience. I have hundreds of trucks. I'd love to move your freight. Let's get on a discovery call. That's, that's, that's completely throws me off. Like you're going to go in my book as a one star, not really <laughs> worth my time. Um, because if you've read my stuff, you would know, don't approach me like that, right? Let's, 
like give me the meat and potatoes like why beyond just times are tough right now we all know that there's not a lot of freight we all know that right we're we're in a famine period we're seeing carriers go out of business left and right so besides just the i need to feed my family so i need to run your freight kind of thing like well, i know that right we all do we all need to have our job we all need to have business we all need mm -hmm. to work besides that why do you want to run my freight why my freight you know walmart you know they probably have a billion dollar transportation budget. Lowe's probably has a billion dollar transportation budget. They have way more freight than I'm ever going to have. So why are you interested in my freight? And then I get the, well, I love your dirt bikes. Well, we stopped making dirt bikes in 2013. It's owned by a different company now. Still has a Husqvarna name, but it's owned by a different company. So I'm just kind of like, I feel like well, a lot of it's artificial. A right? answer, bro. Like we love your <laughs> third bikes, bro. Like, come on, that's like, like that's the best you came up with in that situation, bro. We, oh, I like your yeah. third bikes, bro. Give me your freight. Like, come on. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, dues. Probably the best one I've seen, and um, it, out of all of them, is someone actually shot, sent me a video of them, basically not really pitching, but saying, you know, what they do, that they'd be interested in my freight, like very, like tailored it to me. Now that I said that I'm probably going to get a hundred of them, but it was the first time it's happened. It was super unique. And I actually reached out to her and said, Hey, let's arrange some time to get together. Not that I'm looking to add any carriers right now, but let's have that conversation because we all know this, this is, it runs in circles, right? Right now capacity is wide open and I don't need help. But when capacity tightens, I may need help. Um, I think the biggest thing right now is because so many people are, are in famine and so many people are struggling that they're kind of, they're just reaching out. They're just reaching like I'm gonna I'm gonna email blast. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna cold call every single shipper and hope that something falls in my lap. And what people need to realize is if you build that relationship and you're on a, a level with the person where you're communicating about things beyond just freight, then when I have a problem, I know. Joe in my book for such and such a carrier is a stand-up dude. And he's been talking to me for six months. And his only thing he said to me is, Hey, if you run into a bind, I'm here. And that's the only pitch he's made to me. I, that's what I prefer. Let me, it's fine. If you want to tell me what you have, chances are you don't have anything that, that everyone else doesn't have, right? You have the same trucks, you have the same, you know, amount of years of service, which, you know, I've been in this business three years. So I don't care if you have 50 years in transportation or if you have six months, if you're a good person, sell yourself as a rep. I have reps right now that I that I work with, and I don't particularly like the carrier, but I love the rep, and they're a hammer, and I go to them for everything. So I don't care like what the history of your of your carrier that you work for is. I don't care what the history of your brokerage is, how many years you've been doing this, and what you did before. I, I don't care about that. All I care about is, are you someone I could see myself doing business with? Or are you someone that's going to send me a five cent pitch on LinkedIn and leave it at that? And then two days later, PM me again and ask why I didn't respond. Like, it's like, I'm glad you brought that up because that was a question. <laughs> We've had a, a couple shippers on here and our last show, someone said, you need to ask, you know, why do shippers not, not answer us? You know, why do they just say no? Um, then we'd leave them alone. And John Brewer was the guest on that show from Hardee's. And he's like, because if we say no, we're probably going to get another 30 more messages and you're not going to stop. <laughs> you know, I'm just curious yeah. your, your thoughts on that, you know? Yeah, it's, you know, I try to, emails especially, I try to thank the person for reaching out. I try to explain that, hey, I'm not 
actively looking to add anybody right now that we do do um, a bid cycle for LTL and we do a bid cycle for truckload. Um, and it's not up to me at that point to try to build that repertoire with you, the broker or carrier. It's up to you to then try to build it with me. So if I say, hey, reach back out in the spring before our LTL bid and let's maybe get something going then. And you email me a week later and say, hey, can we get on a discovery call? No, we can't. You know, I, I spend so much time. Yeah, I, I spend so much time in meetings. I have my own team that I have to lead. You know, I am the only person in Canada handling Husqvarna Freight. So I do a ton of stuff on the side for Canada as well. I am. And when I say I'm busy on LinkedIn, I think people think I'm just blowing smoke, but I am always doing something. I don't have downtime. I get on the computer at 6 a.m. because I need from 6 to 8 before the meetings start to do my own work, right? I don't have, Husqvarna is not a huge company. I don't have my own financial people. I do my own finances. I do my own budget. I do my own forecast. It's a one-man show on the leadership level. So I don't have time for discovery calls. If every carrier that's PM'd me or emailed me and I took a 30-minute discovery call, it would probably take six months just to do those calls, <laughs> right? And then how do you separate the wheat from the chaff, right? Because we just had this call. You've given me the same information that every other carrier has given me. Nothing has been different. You know, you've said that, you know, you have good good rates. Your, your rates will be super low, which I think I've spoken about before. I don't care about that. I don't drive rates. I drive service and relationships. Um, obviously if my current carriers in this market were robbing me blind, I wouldn't have them. Right. But I'm not dumping carriers because you PM to me and said, you guarantee you can give me better rates. Sure. I guarantee you probably can too. You know, when I do my bid, I see rates 50, 60, 70% lower than what my incumbent is giving me. But if my incumbent is working with me and I'm meeting my financial quotas and my goals, it makes no sense to me to dump them and bring somebody brand new on. Not that I'm afraid the service will be bad or, or something else, but just because I've built that relationship and I've talked to these guys and they've seen us through COVID and they're seeing us through this right now, even though we're not giving them the same freight right now, right? They're, they're not getting the freight they used to get. So they have every right in the world to tell to us, hey, we're going to increase your prices or we're not going to run your freight, but they don't. They've been awesome to work with. So it's really hard for me to look at all these messages and emails and be like, hey, sure, this guy or this girl sounds amazing. Let me just shake my tree and fire my incumbents to see what they can do for me. Right. So basically what I what I like to tell people is wait for the shipper to have the problem. Wait for the shipper to be look out there looking for answers. Don't go to them and say, here's all these solutions we have because you're giving me solutions to problems I don't have. We just don't have those problems right now. Right. But when we do. If the shipper's been paying attention and the shipper's like me, he's got an entire book full of carriers that have reached out and done things correctly or incorrectly. So it's a really easy decision. It's really easy for me to do it. You don't have to hound me. You don't have to blow me up. You don't have to want to come and buy me coffee and go on a discovery call or take me to a ball game or anything like that, right? The way you approach me from the start, from the very beginning, tells me everything. It tells me I want to do business with the person or I don't want to do business with the person. Some of these guys that reached out to me don't have any of my business right now. And we'll PM 10, 15 times a day, just talking about all kinds of things, life, wrestling, whatever. But obviously those people are high up in my book, right? Those are people that when I have a problem, I trust <laughs> I can go to them and they can help me. It's interesting. You brought up something too. You said, you know, 
your relationships, obviously these guys helped you during COVID and, you know, mm -hmm. the reps and the relationships. It was interesting because you said some of these actual companies that these reps work for, you're not necessarily a fan of the company, but you work with them because of the rep. You want to maybe touch on that? Because I think that's interesting because a lot of yeah. you know, these big name companies think that they, you know, have this freight because of their big name or this, this, <laughs> and this. But what, what you yeah. kind of touched on kind of, you know, shows that's, in my opinion, too, that's not really the case. Yeah. I mean, I try to tell people that, that I made one post about how like you matter, you, the individual, the rep, the broker, you are what matters. Um, you know, working with Lowe's for the, the years I did, I had a very sour taste in my mouth for some carriers. Those same carriers are now top carriers for me at Husqvarna because of the rep. I say that meaning the, the problems I had at Lowe's, I don't have now with Husqvarna with these carriers because my rep now with this account is amazing. They don't, they never harass me. They never let their salespeople after me. They are a buffer between everything from the billing, the, the sales, all of it comes siphons through them and funnels to me. So say we have an invoice issue. What's the typical response from the carrier? Collections reaches out, right? Nothing drives me more crazy than collections people calling me and emailing me because I don't pay the bills. You know, we have accounting department that pays the bills. So it drives me nuts. So these particular reps tell their, their collections people, their invoice people, listen, if you have any problems with invoicing, come to me, let me take it to him. We have the relationship. I don't have the relationship with your collections people. I don't have a relationship with your salespeople. I have the relationship with you as my rep. And those guys, even though it's a carrier that I might not have liked at Lowe's, these, these reps have turned me around to where I'm like, hey, and that's what really started me getting me to focus on the rep versus the carrier, right? The carrier might be getting drugged through the mud, but the rep I'm dealing with hits home runs. So that's all I asked for. You know, I, I asked for the rep to step up, take care of issues, not need me every, every hour of the day because something happened. They're making moves on their own. And more importantly, they're bringing things to me. They're bringing new technology to me and saying, hey, you know, we ran the numbers on these loads and we discovered if you did this differently, you could save yourself money here. Or, you know, say they get called in for a truckload pickup and they're an LTL carrier and they say, no, we can't pick that up. It's a full truckload. Some LTL carriers, you know, full well, they would just pick it up. Right. And then they'd call you and say, hey, I've got 20 tractors and it's going to come LTL because they wouldn't deny the load. These reps will step in and say, do not do that. Do not pick that up. We'll pivot and we'll send we'll send a full truckload and we'll take care of it that way for them. Um, so that's the difference, right? It's not the carrier name. I don't buy into the carrier name. I don't care if you're a mom and pop or you're some giant carrier. I buy into you as a rep. Are you a stand up person? Are you going to take care of issues? Are you going to be able to pivot for me? If I reach out with a special project, are you going to be able to come back and say, yes, we're, we've got this for you. No problem. This is what it's going to cost. And are you going to be able to do things like adjust on a dime? Right. For example, my cross-border carrier, awesome. Love them. I don't have a paper contract with them because they said, hey, here's your cost to go from your building in Orangeburg to Mississauga. And here's your cost from your building in Orangeburg to Edmonton. A couple months later, hey, we're really struggling to get drivers from the Edmonton area. Can we bring the price up a couple hundred bucks? Sure, no problem. A couple months after that, hey, we're good now. We're going to bring it back down. Like it's a fluid situation. <clears throat> they don't just lock me into this is going to be the price. And then a year from now, when you bid, it's going to be a two and a half percent increase or a 6% increase, right? 
they actually work with me on a regular basis and reach out to me and say, Hey, we're running into problems. Can we raise the price? Sure. Go ahead. Cause I know it's going to come back down when it can. Right. That's what makes me work with those reps and not stress who the carrier is. Do you have, do you notice with the different reps you have, whether it be cross border LTL, do you have some reps where your rep is doing the operations too, like a cradle to grave, or you have other companies where you're dealing with a carrier rep, account rep, and a sales rep? Do you see like among your providers, is it kind of mixed or you have more on you know one side? Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> to be honest with you, probably all of them are mixed, but I think I'm unique in that I almost demand my reps to do it all. So I'll reach out to my rep with a problem that I probably could go to somebody else and that, and my rep may then forward it on to that person and loop me into the email, but I still just go through my rep because I'm, I'm not trying to build a relationship with your company. I'm trying to build a relationship with you. And I know if I have that relationship with you, that you're going to do everything in your company to make sure it's running smooth. And then I'm going to reward you, right? When it comes time to bid, you're going to pick up more market share. When special projects pop up and say, we're moving freight from point A to point B in the tune of, you know, $50 $50 million of, of freight movement, you're the first name that I'm thinking of. You're the first person I'm going to say, hey, <clears throat> I've got this project. Can you hit this home run for me? What's it going to cost? Um, you know, that's huge because right now, you know, volumes being what they are, I might not be able to leverage volume at my next bid cycle. So I don't use a spot market anymore. If I don't have a contract, I go to a contracted carrier and say, hey, here's a load without a contract. Will you run it? basically for the spot price because that gives that that carrier knows that incumbent knows hey we don't have the same volume this year but we're picking up all this extra stuff on the side so it kind of you know evens out for them and kind of going back to that's you know as we're talking kind of about you know relationships and you know outreaches you know what do you think the reasoning is because you mentioned it you get so many of these bad emails and bad phone calls you know do you see that you know, what do you think the reasoning of, because we see shippers all the time on LinkedIn say what to do and what not to do, but you continue to you know see a lot of you know bad stuff. Do you think that comes down to the training at these carriers or just people going rogue or why? Because, uh, you know, I saw it was Tony, I think, commented the other day. It's like, you know, we've been saying this, you hear shippers say this all the time. Every shipper <laughs> on our podcast has said you know, a lot of the same things, but then, you know, we still talk to my friends or our shippers and they're still seeing the same messages, you know, months later. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I really do. I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say that, you know, they, um, this is how they were trained, right? This is what they're being shown. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out and say that my LinkedIn posts are being used at their office to kind of show like there's a different way to do it. Um, you know, I've, I've read, I've read the research, you know, eight, eight cold calls is like the magic, you know, by that time you're going to get somebody and you're going to get, you know, possibly do business with that person. And I would say in 1980, sure, that may have worked. Um, but now considering the environment that we're in, considering capacity where it is, you have to stand out and cold emails, pitching and cold calls, even though that's what your people are training you, they don't work. Um, would they work during COVID? Sure. That's why so many carriers suddenly popped up during COVID. And that's why those carriers are now dropping off, right? I think COVID spoiled everybody. It made them think, you know, first of all, this is the business to get into. And I do not envy brokers. I do not envy carriers. They have a hard job. And I'll tell them that straight up into my messages. I would never do what you do. I can't. I couldn't do it. I cannot sell. So I I realize it's it's tough right now. But I think 
the COVID environment drove that to where people were like, hey, you can make a lot of money doing this, right? And you could during COVID. Brokers could make a killing. But now it's tough. So we got to separate the, the, the wanters, the people who wanted to do it from the doers. The people are like, yes, this is what I do. And that isn't necessarily experience. Some of the best salespeople I know, I had a good friend that was a pharmaceutical salesman. And um, prior to that, he worked at a, at a bar. He was a bartender. And they're like, you're never going to make it. You don't have the experience. That dude ended up making more money than I'll ever see in my lifetime. And he was young, 20-year-old, because he was 100 miles an hour, the nicest guy you'd ever meet, right? Even when he was a bartender, whatever you needed, your glass was never empty. Your plate was never empty. Like, he was on it. And those people are the doers. Those are the people that now are doing the right things when they reach out to shippers. Those are the people now that are going to be called, you know, it's a, you know, what can you do for me right now environment? And I think carriers and brokers just need to sit back and say, Hey, I've put my best foot forward. I'm building this relationship with this shipper when things turn around and they will, when will it happen? I don't know, but we all know it's going to happen. When that happens, you are on the radar of that shipper. You've done the right thing. If you continue to send these cold calls and these cold, first of all, cold calls, I'm not going to answer you. All my contacts are in my work phone. My team's in my work phone. My incumbents is in my work phone. If you're blowing me up, especially between the hours of 11 and 12 when I'm exercising, I'm blocking you. I'm just going to block you, to be honest. Um, I will read your emails. I will read your PMs, but I will not take a cold call, mostly because I can't. I can't answer the phone because I'm on these in a meeting. Um, but also because I just remember being a kid when the phone was on the wall and we'd get a call at supper time and my dad would lose his mind, like screaming at the person for cold calling him. So I've always just had a bad taste, but if you're doing the right thing and not pitch, 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 we know that I feel bad that I can't give everybody freight. I do because it is tough. It's, it's never been this bad as it is. But on the other hand, you just have to take stock in that. If you can hold out, if you can, keep these relationships, your current people that you're moving freight for, keep those relationships strong, build new relationships. When this turns around, you are on the radar. You're doing the right thing and it's going to show. Might not show right now because we just don't need more carriers. You know, most of us have all the carriers we need and then some, but that doesn't mean six months from now, if this turns or whenever it turns that we won't be reaching out to you, the broker or the carrier. That was interesting. Sorry, go ahead, Alex. Are you guys worried about that at all? I mean, w- with a lot of the shippers kind of in that that kind of space where they're like, hey, you know, carries, uh, sh- you know, brokers, you guys are approaching us wrong. You know, we have more capacity than we ever need. And, and you know, there's a lot of shippers kind of, you know, clowning on people for their approaches. But if this turns in a bad way, you guys worried at all that, you know, you guys are going to have some, maybe you guys made it into somebody else's book of, you know, one yeah, star, yeah. one star shipper, yeah. you know, are you guys worried for at sure, all for sure. about um, the market flip? I'm not only because my incumbents that I use now were incumbents for Husqvarna during the peak of COVID. I don't think it'll ever be that crazy again. Right. Yeah. So, and, and even if it is, it won't be as profitable coming from like a gas prices, insurance prices. Yeah. All of that went up so high that even if it goes back to identical rates, it's still not as profitable as it used to be. Yeah, and I know the relationships that I have with some big carriers are very strong, and I know that they're there and ready for when this turns. And I think having those relationships and not doing the spot market and not chasing low rates is going to help me when it turns because they're going to say, hey, you kept doing all you could do to give us freight when times were tough. Now that capacity's tight and it's flipped, 
we're going to do all we can to keep your costs in check. Obviously, I know when capacity gets strangled, we're going to see an increase. My job is to mitigate that increase, right? Yeah. So I, my fear, if when this flips is not, I don't have that fear because I feel like I've built a strong enough partnership with my incumbents. Yeah, you already laid partner. the bricks like uh, yeah. to, to avoid that headache. And like you yep, said, if absolutely. you take care of them now, but that's the thing. You already had that, that infrastructure built during COVID. So, I mean, if I was you, yeah, I wouldn't be worried, man. Like, you know, if you're keeping yeah. their lights on in this market for the past two years, I mean, they, they owe you one, bro, if it ever yeah. flips. So. <laughs> Yeah. So another thing I wanted to touch on too, because you made a post about this and, you know, with, and it's kind of going back to our topic of, you know, how bad, you know, the market is and sales people <laughs> desperate. Um, you know, you have your boss, you know, was, you know, in town from, from Sweden. And I think I noticed you posted a lot of carriers and brokers, you know, they'll try to go above you to your, mm -hmm. your boss. And that's another, you know, uncommon, you know, annoying practice. I'm, you know, from a shipper's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure if they think because they haven't got anything out of me that if they go to someone above me that they'll get more, I guess, leverage. Um, but as I've said, and as I'll continue to say, if my if my senior VP, if my president, if my CEO needs to talk to carriers and needs to make those decisions they don't need me, yeah. right? They don't need somebody in transportation. If my senior VP is making transportation decisions, he doesn't need me. Yeah, There's no reason failed. to have me in role. Yeah. So <clears throat> I don't, I think it's, it's in, in poor taste to go over the decision maker. Sometimes you might not know who that decision maker is, right? But hopefully by reaching out, say all you know is a VP or a director and that director says, Hey, this person makes those decisions, it should stop there and you should reach out. I actually told my senior VP, Hey, go ahead and, and direct them to me. It's fine. Because he was like, you have to get so much. I said, I do, but I don't mind it. And I, I don't really know why shippers do. I don't, a lot of shippers have told me I'm crazy doing this, but I don't know why it bothers them so much because I like to read it. I like to see what type of person you are. I like to read about your carrier. I like to have all that information. It's like building a team, right? I have this, all these people on the bench waiting to come in. And if I didn't make those posts, if I didn't do that, then people would have to reach out and try to find me. And basically by doing this, I'm finding you. I'm giving, I'm giving you a chance to reach out to me and I'm accepting your, your connection request and I'm reading your PMs. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, it, it bothers me when people do that, but I have to give you the benefit of the doubt. Maybe you didn't know. Um, you know, maybe you're not connected to me with LinkedIn and maybe you just happened to see his post about being promoted to senior VP and you're like, Hey, I'm going to shoot my shot. I get it. If the same people would continue to do it, then obviously that would paint you in a bad picture. But I think for the most part, you know, people, they stick with the decision makers and every company is different, right? I'm in a unique position um, that I'm the decision maker. Uh, a lot of times the manager isn't the director is, you know, sometimes the director isn't the VP is. So you have to figure that out. But once you know that and, and have secured who that decision maker is, you need to have the communication with them. Going above them is not going to do anything except probably make people upset. Oh, that's a good, uh, you know, good, good topic. Good topic to bring up. I, I think because a lot of people, like you said, it's getting kind of desperate times and, you know, it's not really going to, not really going to solve anything. Would you say your preferred method, you know, based on this conversation, that's one thing I've noticed kind of differs from shippers we've had on. A lot of it is the same with relationships, homework, communication, um, but preferred method of outreach, I notice, is different for every 
every shipper. It sounds like what you're saying is email and LinkedIn was one preferred, but yeah, I mean, because I'm always in meetings, um, I will see your email. Your email is going to come through and I'm going to get it and I'm going to have an opportunity to to read it and respond to you. If you call me, I'm not, you're ever going to get me. So definitely email, but more than email, I would prefer that you reach out to me on LinkedIn and let's have a discussion. Like, what do you want to talk about? Let's not talk about uh, the fact that you want to give me tickets to a Charlotte game because I, I don't I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to go to a football game on your dime. I don't I don't have time to go to lunch. Certainly don't have time to go to dinner. My evenings are absolutely blown up because of my kids' activities. But <clears throat> let's just start talking. You know, let's just have a back and forth. Like I said, some people I talk to send messages to 15 times a day now, um, and, and they don't still haven't asked to move my freight, right? Let's do that. Um, if I'm comfortable, I'll give you my email, but everybody knows you can find my email, right? 50 carriers a week, email me as well. So my email is accessible. Uh, it's pretty easy. Most companies' emails are the same. It's your first and last name followed by the name of the company, right? So, um, and I don't mind. I do try to reply. Sometimes this week has been wild for me. So I I've probably some carriers I haven't been able to reply to, and I apologize for that, but I do my best. But yeah, definitely cold calling is a big no-no for me. I, if there's some shippers that like it and you've discovered that, hey, go for it. You know, do what works for sure. Um, but for me, definitely email or messages on LinkedIn. That's just funny because John was telling us, um, you know, he from the car business, he used to send video cold calls, you know, like a video of cold calling people. And you mm-hmm. said that was your favorite, you know, form and something that stood out. And John was just here like a week or two ago and he was like, you know what? That's what I did, man. We transferred from the car business. I was just slapping pitch slaps, but it was me. It was a video. Yeah, yeah. he's big on video. That's I feel like if, yeah, if we hear from John that you should be doing that, and we hear directly from a huge shipper you should be doing that, I feel like you guys are going to start catching a lot of videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'll probably get 100 of them now that I said that. But the person who did that was the first one, and it made it super unique. Um yeah, so John would have got your business, bro. He would he would have been the one. For- <laughs> well, he, he certainly would have got the the communication and the the meeting. Um, you know, that's the thing. Like I said, everybody that reaches out wants to do a meeting, wants to do a discovery call, but they have to realize you're they're you're not selling me something that someone else isn't selling me. So yeah. stop wanting to meet with me and sell yourself. As the rep. I was going to say, I think you, you, you think a lot like me, and I think you have the same ability coming from that prison system background where you can kind of just feel somebody out. You can kind of tell, you know, if they're blowing smoke or, or you know, if that's just yeah. who they are in the first probably 10, 15, 20 seconds. Yeah. Um, and I, mean, that's... I, I make my decision with brokers when I cold, like when I'm just calling in on, on spot loads, I can tell in the first 10 seconds, if this guy's been doing this five, 10 years, if he's doing this five, 10 days. I can tell when they're lying to me. You can just feel it out of these, you know, like yeah. when you're talking to someone, you can feel, you can feel yeah. something's off with them. The discovery call is interesting too. Like for me as a broker, I can't, very few of my customers that I onboarded, you know, I had a discovery call. It was more like you do your homework, you know, and you have a relationship and the timing is right. You get in like it seems to be a big deal with these trainings with discovery calls, but from my, my yeah, experience, what are you gonna say? Like, I have trucks, bro. I'm the cheapest option. Yeah. Like, what are you really going to say? to yep. It's all, yep. It's always the same. It's, it's always the same. And, um, we just don't, I don't think there's a need for it anymore. If, if I, again, it's just goes back to the same thing. If I need something, I will ask you for that meeting. Right. Um, that's another big thing with my incumbents. They don't ask. We do quarterly business reviews, obviously, but outside of that, 
they knew when my director left and I took over the, the process that I just didn't have time. So they waited for me to reach out and say, hey, I actually have availability Wednesday. Let's have lunch. You guys have been rock stars. I'm sorry I've put this off. Sorry I haven't met with you. But so if I'm doing that to my comments, just imagine if you're somebody on the outside trying to get in. Um, we're all doing more with less. We all have less people. We all have less time. So it just really I just think it's old school way of doing it. Right pitch and say let's get on a discovery calls but it's it's always the same it's not it's nothing it's nothing different so pitch yourself more and and why you would be good to work with and stop worrying about how many trucks you have available and how you have rock bottom prices and you know (laughs) you have x amount of years man like you have so much access to be able to pitch yourself and market yourself and and just yeah. kind of like show the world and the business people you're, you're trying to pitch to, like who you are as a person. And I feel yeah. like, it, like you said, it's just so old school, man. Like you're just cold calling people. Like just, hey, I have 500 trucks. I'm in this area. I find, like It's just so redundant at that point. You got yeah. to kind of evolve. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them, a lot of them don't even really know. Like I think a lot of them think our building's in Charlotte. It's not. You know, we have, we have buildings in South Carolina. You know, we have, you have Virginia. <clears throat> Do you not have Virginia freight? Uh, I think I've hauled like it's always high value expedite somewhere on the east side of Virginia and usually goes to like Connecticut. No, we don't have any buildings in there, but I mean, we have plenty of suppliers that, that we yeah, maybe of, like and plenty of dealers that we people. move freight to, too. But, yeah. um, you know, we have we have buildings uh, in Groveport, uh, Ohio. We have a building in Troy, New York. We have a building in Reno, Nevada. We have a building in Dallas, Texas. And then we manufacture in South Carolina. We have a parts facility in South Carolina and we manufacture right now in Nashville, Arkansas. So when people reach out to me and say, Hey, we're working with Pepsi. You'd be great to link up with in Charlotte. Cause we could do backhauls or whatever. I'm like, there's nothing in Charlotte, but a corporate office. Like you're not going to move any freight. Now you the just closest place to move freight uh, is two and a half hours away. So it's not really going to help. Excuse, bro, to do that anymore. If they watch this podcast, <laughs> right. you can tell them, buddy, I gave you the answers to the questions yeah. you asked to me. Do you ever have any carriers actually show up at your, <laughs> at your office and pitch you? Whatever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yes and we have obviously badge in doors right you can't get in unless there's a there's a tablet in the lobby where you can you can send a message to the person you're coming to see to be let in or if you're an employee you can be badged in and i think i've said many times i'm hybrid i'm only in the office on wednesdays and carriers will show up every day of the week to try to meet with me just like a cold show up and that immediately i will not do business with you guaranteed I will not do business with Dude, you. If you get somebody, if you get somebody to let you in, it's even worse because I came from a prison environment where like that is security, you know, breach times a hundred. So, um, you know, I just, it's, it's a no go with me. Uh, and I don't understand why it continues to happen because I think I've spoke about it and I know I've reached out and told people that's a no, no. Um, I get it. I understand what they're trying to do, but it's just not a good idea to show up with unannounced at somebody's office. At the very least, send an email or text message or something and say, hey, can I stop by? Because if the shipper says no or you just show up on your own like that, you're pretty much guaranteeing, even if you bring donuts, you're pretty much guaranteeing that you're not going to work for that shipper. That's interesting. That's interesting to hear because there's some people that think that's – a good idea um to like show just show up randomly um but i've never done that never done that either uh 
have you have you had experiences too where like you know you hear where you'll have four different reps from the same company trying to reach out to you do you, do oh, you yeah. see that as well I, that's one thing yeah. i don't i never understood as a you know, broker either why you know you could have like five different people you know from the same company trying to get your business yeah yeah i mean i actually had somebody uh, on linkedin reach out had a kind of a, a decent conversation with the person but said hey i'm not actively looking right now and then that same person was like hey we gave your your information to this other person in the office who's like a, a hunter and she, we're we're like seeing we're we're guaranteeing she'll get your business and right away i was like this com- I'm not doing business with this company. Like, I don't know if it was some kind of challenge, some kind of game, like see who can get to get this guy's freight. But like, that's why I, you know, I made that post today about hunting, but it really had nothing to do with hunting. Right. It was just saying that I understand the game. I read people for 10 years of my life. Like I, I, I understand when you're legit and you're being sincere. And I understand when you're just doing this because you just want to run my freight. And you want to make the money. Right. And that's fine. I get it. Like I said, I understand you got to feed your family, but I go beyond that. I'm not looking for someone to swoop in and, and, and try to wow me with with their words and act like they care when really all they want to do is run my freight. Right. And they're no different than the 700 other people that want to run my freight. You know, I want to develop that relationship. So when I need you, I can lean on you. When you need me, you can lean on me. Right. That's good. It's good to hear. Um, I think that's, I think a lot of you should, you speak for a lot of shippers. Um, well, I know we've probably done enough content for all the salespeople listening. <laughs> I know you have some other hobbies you post about, um, you know, on wrestling, you know, ice plunges, um, you know, for the last bit of this, I'd love to kind of just, uh, you know, dive into some of those, you know, those things. Cause I, you know, they're interesting topics you don't see posted on, on LinkedIn yeah. as well. And I know yeah. you relate a lot of wrestling to, to the freight, freight world and some of the lessons it kind of teaches yeah i mean i i was a football player in high school um my oldest son who's 20 who i actually works for lowe's at a warehouse right now um he was a football player and when my twins were born they were born premature so they were very small they're about three and a half and two and a half i think and obviously um developmental wise they've been smaller um so they always wanted to play football because it was like the family sport. And I kind of steered them towards let's find a sport where your body weight is comparable. Like you're competing against kids, your body weight, you're not a hundred pounds going against a 200 pound eighth grader, you know, or a 300 pound eighth grader. Cause they do exist. Um, so we kind of fell into jujitsu um, and they started in jujitsu as a way of doing self-defense kind of, and then fell in love with it and started competing when they got into seventh grade. Um, the wrestling coach was, Hey, I'd love to have you guys try out. They were kind of like, I don't know, dad, it's not jujitsu. It's different, but they went ahead and did it. Um, so they joined the wrestling team at seventh grade in October by that December. One of them, it was, was a conference champ and the other one took second place in conference. So it was like fish to water. Um, they immediately excelled in it. Um, and it's just grown from there to where we spend, most of our time outside of work supporting their grappling um whether it's club wrestling they they train at us at a club whether it's you know competing every weekend whether it's the time in the weight room getting up at 6 a.m and running every day it's all around wrestling um they both want to wrestle in college they want to be you know scholarship wrestlers they both would love to wrestle in the olympics but more importantly they want to own their own gym 
they want to have their own wrestling club. They want to teach jujitsu. So they want to make it like a, a, a brother owned business to where they're taking this skills that they're learning about, you know, not only wrestling, but life and like teach them to other people, which is super cool to me. Um, you know, that's one thing I always try to do. I'm always big on servant leadership, trying to help people. So the fact that my 13 year olds are like, that's what we want to do, dad. We want to help people. But more importantly than that, even they're learning at such a young age that, you know, we all know life is rough. I mean, we all know we have problems. We all know, you know, that there's some days where we don't even want to get out of bed and they're wrestling is teaching them that, right. You can like this past weekend, my son was down. He won the first match and then lost two straight in a row. And most kids that you see in that situation are crying. They're upset. Their dads are yelling at them or their coach is yelling at them. And, my sons are learning that like, this is life. Like we got to put our big boy pants on. We got to get ready. So we got two more matches to fight. And he ended up in third place. He won the other two. He was three and two got third place on the day. So the lessons, the getting up at 6am and running, like I don't have to force them. I think some people think you're making your kids do that. I don't, they set their own alarm. I get up at five and do my workout. I hear their alarm go off at six. They're on the treadmill one than the other. Um, the weight room workouts. I obviously, program them and put them through it. Cause that's my background. That's, you know, what I love to do, but again, I don't force them. You know, they're like that. It's, it's, it's workout day, you know, or they'll come home from school. They'll get dressed. They'll get in the weight room. Cause I'm lucky enough to have a garage full of weights. So that's, that's where we do it. Um, so I think the lessons they're learning from this sport, it's such a grueling sport practices are an hour and a half and it's, you know, three minutes of live wrestling, 10 wind sprints, three minutes of live wrestling, 10 wind sprints, nonstop. It's just, I mean, I go to pick them up. The windows are fogged over because it's so hot in there. The air is so thick from just pushing yourself. And as a kid, let's face it, what kids are doing that nowadays, right? So the lessons they're learning now, when they become adults, they're going to be killers. They're going to whatever business they decide to get into, whether it is running their own business or whatever it is, they're going to be unstoppable because they're learning this at a young age that this is what it's about, you know, putting your nose to the grindstone and just getting after it. And when you do that, you know, you obviously reap the benefits and the rewards from doing it. So yeah, it's been, it's a huge part of our life now. I mean, I've never, I never thought I'd be so involved in, in wrestling, but it's like we pay for flow wrestling now and get all the streaming live events on the TV. And it's just like, we turned in, we were a football family and now suddenly we're a wrestling family, but. but that, that, you know, that's, you know, teaches, teaches lessons. Like you said, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to stay busy between being a transportation manager and then, you know, how actively involved yeah. they are. You probably don't have a lot of other free time I'd imagine. Yeah. I mean, that's why I try to take care of myself as much as I do. I try to get up every day at 5.00 AM. I will say some days my alarm goes off and, and I'm like, eh, I'm going to sleep till six. I'll give myself an extra hour and then I'll work out later. But usually I try to get in at 5.00 AM. I try to get out I try to sauna and plunge at 11. That's why I refuse to answer phone calls, emails, or anything from like 11 to 12. I try to sauna for 20 minutes, plunge in the ice for three minutes. And it's just all part of like realizing what this is doing for my son and wanting to be there through this process, right? This is stressful. Um, not obviously as stressful as the prison system, but I'm overseeing millions and millions of dollars of freight and I'm making decisions with three years of experience that can be stressful at times. So keeping myself healthy, eating right, doing those things is allowing me to be, hopefully, I mean, we never know, but allowing me to, to continue to support my kids through this journey and possibly support my grandkids through the same journey 
you know? So it's super important, especially in this business. Like I said, anybody that's involved in freight, if you're not doing something to take care of your body, let's face it, if your body's hurting, your mind is hurting, right? If you're sick, it affects you mentally. And if you're, if you have mental health problems, it affects you physically, right? Stronger minds, stronger bodies. So in this business, especially right now, as bad as it is, we need to stay on top of it. You know, whatever it is for you, find what brings you joy, find what's going to, going to kind of let you let off your stress and, and go with it and schedule it every day. You know, like I said, 11 to 12, I don't do anything. It's on my calendar. Everyone at work knows 11 to 12, unless it's an absolute emergency, I'm pretty much off the grid. How many emergencies have you gotten between uh, 11 and 12? <laughs> not many. <laughs> not many. A lot of phone calls, uh, cold calls, but not, not many emergencies. That, that explains why you really especially don't like phone calls because you probably have to look at your phone to see if it's an emergency. Then you see it's, like, you know, some yep. big brokerage cold calling you know, <laughs> put it down and up and down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, what would you sure. say, you know, if somebody, I mean, this obviously wouldn't be my opinion directly, but you've mentioned like more than once now, you have about three years experience and you're kind of in a position where I, I would assume some people would have an issue with, you know, the, the way you're so confident about things and they would say, what even qualifies you to have these opinions and this kind of, this kind of <laughs> topic, what, what would you say to those, those type of people? Yeah. Um, well, I would say to that, um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, you know, when I've talked to other companies uh, prior to getting on with Husqvarna, obviously I faced that, right? I had companies saying, you know, we want you to have 10 years experience. I would say for me, I was lucky and I was fast tracked. I was, I was, I wouldn't say lucky that I lost my support structure at Husqvarna, but it almost was a good thing because suddenly it's trial by it fire. And suddenly, yeah. And, and suddenly I'm, I'm, dealing with and having discussions with senior VPs halfway across the globe, learning things from people that have 30, 40 years of experience in this business and learning quickly and having their support and being able to take projects that I want to launch to them and have these people with all this experience and time and say, man, that's an awesome idea. Somebody should have thought of that 10 years ago. You know, that gives me the confidence to keep driving forward and gives me the confidence to say, Hey, as far as I'm concerned, I don't, it's not about how much time you have in. It's about, how passionate you are about it and how willing you are to go outside your comfort zone. I don't shy away from anything. If my boss comes to me and says, Hey, there's an issue with order management. That's not my field, but if they need my help, I'm in it. I want to learn planning. I learn as much as I can about why we order what we do, how we order what we order, how we plan what we're going to do. And that's out of my wheelhouse, but I'm going out of my way to learn it because I think it is all encompassing to what I do and it makes me a better transportation manager. I think, that's, I think that's the same same way with brokers too. Like I never had a shipper ask me how much experience I had or how many years I'd been with the company. I mean, I don't I don't think that's a and you've mentioned it too. I don't think it's more about what you bring to the table, your personality. Yeah. Not you know, I've worked for twenty five years as a as a broker. Like, I don't think if that sales pitch is necessarily going to. I mean, I think hitting the nail on the head, if you want to summarize it, like that's the perfect answer. Cause I have the same, you know, same type of things happen to me and where you go like, yeah, you fast tracked it, you know, losing some of your supports forced you to step up and learn stuff faster. And I think yep. the main word in that is passion because I have all three of us had it. Like we all kind of stepped higher than a lot of people did in five, 10 years in two, three years, just because yep. we like what we did. We wanted to learn. And I think you really hit the nail on the head saying like, you know, like I wanted to learn this. I'm passionate about this. And, yep. and 
when you when you have somebody that says, "Yeah, I've been doing it for thirty years," I mean, you know, experience doesn't always mean knowledge. Doesn't always mean you know, like great yeah. results. Um, you can do yeah, something sometimes... for thirty years as a nine to five and hate yep. it and not even want to learn it, and then you can have yep. a guy come in and six months later, that guy's ahead of you. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and sometimes let's face it, somebody with thirty years experience, uh, it's kind of like the old adage, you know the wolf climbing the hill is hungrier than the wolf on the hill, right? If you've been doing it for 30 years, you may have the opinion that I've seen it all and done it all. And you just kind of lay back. Whereas I am, I am of the opinion of the gas pedal down. I am soaking in and learning everything. Like I always am, am reading. And during the day, my other laptop is open and I'm on, on the markets. I'm looking at the forecasts. I'm looking at the different things that freight uh, carriers are putting out about the freight, the state of freight and things like that. And I'm just constantly adding tools to my toolbox and I'm never satisfied. Some people get in these roles and I think they think I've made it. I can put my feet up, <laughs> go in cruise control, you know, especially if you get into a company like Husqvarna that's been around for 300 plus years, right? We've been along around a long time and people can come into these roles and say, Hey, nothing's broke. Let's not, I don't have to do anything, right? It's just status quo. I'm not that way. As soon as I got on board, I'm digging in and finding things and ways we can improve improve and that i think has allowed me to learn so much more because i've actively sought these things out i haven't just sat back and waited for it to come to me i think there's a lot to learn too on the um you know i, I was looking into the shipper side briefly i have a non-compete issue and i can't be a broker for the next year and a half now and i looked into the shipper side briefly but it was interesting too i mean a lot of these companies there's international experience there's cross-border experience i mean there's so many different things you you know um, and need, yeah. i mean you need to know um you know on the shipper side and the learn i mean i'm sure on your side of things the knowledge necessary and the learning is i would argue is 10 times more than you know being a broker because a broker you can specialize in a certain you know area like i moved a lot of food and reefer shipments but i knew that but i didn't know about all this other stuff where you kind of have to know yeah everything in a sense you know yeah i mean when i came to husfarna to be honest with you I didn't even know what Inco Terra rooms were. Never heard it before. Um, we had an international manager um, and a director at that time. So I was involved in domestic and, and Canada. So I had to learn Canada. I have a great ops manager in Canada that I work with. And he was basically my boots on the ground, um, brought him into transportation and expanded his, his toolbox. But then he expanded mine on how Canada works. So much different than the U.S., right? The way freight is moves you know, the, all the territories and weird city names. There's so many names that are named Saint and it's either S T S T E S A I N T. Like you get it wrong. And the person's on the other side of Canada. So it was a huge learning curve. Once I had that all locked down and I was comfortable, then I lost my support system. And now it's like, you need to know international. Here's a crash course. And I was on, on a regular basis getting international questions and leaning heavily on my Sweden team to learn that as quickly as possible. I also have someone on my team that's an international specialist. He's been involved in international freight movement for 10 years, and he has been amazing in helping me learn this. So I can lean on him um, as a team member of mine to help me whenever I have issues and I can provide him obviously the support he needs, you know, when he needs to make decisions such as, are we going to, you know, wait for the Panama canal or are we going to route through the Suez or whatever, you know? So that was all brand new to me. And it really was a, well, here you go, have at it. And sometimes it just feels like in, in, for me, that's the way my life has been, you know, 
when I went to Lowe's, I was supposed to be trained for four months. And I think two weeks later, I was running 157 ship indoors by myself, having never worked in a warehousing environment. So, you know, it's like, you just have to go, you know, failure isn't an option for me, no matter what it is. And I'm not going to fail. I'm going to find a way. So whether it is, I got to make a phone call, whether I've got to hop in a meeting with somebody, whether I've got to bring somebody on as kind of a consultant, a kind of a mentor, <clears throat> I'll do it. You know, whatever it is to, to not fail. I'll help you out with one, one or two things. <clears throat> you said it at the start of the show and I, it's just been sitting in my head. Uh, it's Mississauga. Like, you know, you said Mississauga. Like I actually used to live, that's where I went to high school. <laughs> it's just Mississauga, bro. And I'm sure you saw possibly Etobicoke, but you guys probably call it Etobicoke or something like that. Or yeah, like I, most of those I can't I can't pronounce when I'm no, dealing with No, Mr. is insane, bro. It's just S's, just pure S's. Like. Yeah. But, uh, hey, we got this one. This is kind of funny as we're talking I'm guessing about. He, I'm guessing he just tuned in to the, to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> he he, might, is, he like, might need to go rewatch this one. Yeah, yeah this this is like this is pretty, pretty common. Um uh, just really quick for me, I have a very, very unique odd diet. So it's impossible <laughs> for you, for anybody to bring me lunch, you know, lunch for me is typically greens, half a cup of cottage cheese, a little bit of olive oil, you know, it, it's just very unique and hard to find out. So, you know, that's, that's, yeah, that's a no go. <laughs> I mean, he's been listening. So, I mean, maybe okay. we're, we're just proving our own points here, but <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. You're an interesting guy. I like, you know, the, that question I had for you, I've been asked many, many, many times. I've had pretty much the same answer to, to everybody. And um, I mean, that was my biggest thing, you know, sitting here listening to you and like, you're so confident, right? You're sitting there like admitting like, yeah, okay, I haven't been doing this for, for 50 years, but you know, you're out there and, and you're doing it and you're confident about it. And you obviously, mm -hmm. that's the thing I think people need to understand because, you know, I'm telling this to my girlfriend now too. She's trying to come into to the industry and it's like you need to spend your personal time advancing where you're going to get. You know, a lot of people leave work at work and a lot of people, you know, that's fine. If you want a work life balance, you have your work life balance. But if you want to go from nothing to running 200 doors in a month, I over time, you're going to put in your personal time. And I think that's something people fail to realize that. It's not working for free when you come home and open up, you know, podcasts and YouTube and watch stuff about your industry. That that's yep. that's paying your future. That's paying, you know, like your experience in that industry. And yep. a lot of people Absolutely. just view it as wasted time, free time. And a lot of people always told me, like, why do you go home and, and you're still watching stuff about trucks? You're still following trucks. And I told him, because that's my investment for myself, for for my yep. future family, my my future kids. You know, that's that's yep. something Absolutely. I choose to do, you know. You know, and that's another way I lean on my reps too, right? My, my reps have a lot more knowledge than I have in this business. And when I have questions, I'll certainly reach out to a rep and say, Hey, what's your opinion on this? What do you think about this? And just get their, their, you know, their opinion and their ideas of what I want to do and, and what I'm thinking. Um, I, I do that on a regular basis of probably several times a day. I'll reach out to certain reps and say, Hey, let me bounce this off. You tell me what you think before I take this to the company. Um, so, you know, that's, I'm, that's another reason why the relationship with the rep is super important, right? Because they have experience that you might not have and they can help you and they're willing to help you. You know, it's a, it's a, you know, give and take relationship. hundred yeah, I mean, percent. I think people just have a huge ego, man. A lot of people don't want to admit they don't know something. Like I'll tell somebody straight up, like 
I don't know that lane. I don't run that freight. I have no idea, you know, how to quote that for you. But, you know, let me try to find you somebody that does or let me try to, you know, investigate. Like when somebody stumps me with a question, I'm going to go try to figure it out. I'm going to ask yep. people that I know might know. And I mean, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in admitting yeah. like it's better to say I don't know something than try to pretend you do, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I agree. Well, I think um, it was fun having you on. Is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on? I know it's late out there and it's very late where Alex is. So I don't want to keep <laughs> you, guys, uh, you guys up, but um, we touched on you know, a lot of different things. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, you wanted to say or any other topics you, know, you had in mind, Richard? I mean, no, not really. I just want to thank you guys for having me on. You know, I want to thank all the carriers for reaching out, you know, continue to reach out. Absolutely. Continue to try to have those conversations with any shipper, not just me, but anybody you want to move freight with. I think find your why, you know, be passionate, find your why. Why do you want to run that freight? Is it just to make the money or is it because you actually have an interest? I've told a lot of people, if I was in sales, I would be a niche, a niche carrier, a niche broker. I would look for the things I love, fight equipment. Is there, you know, people shipping fight equipment? Is there people shipping weights? Is there people shipping outdoor equipment? Those are the things I like. And I can have those conversations with the shippers, right? I understand the products. I know how the products work. I use the products. So, you know, just keep reaching out, keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, maybe take a step back and make a, sh make a little shift in what you're being taught. Kind of question it. Say, hey, is, is there a better way? There absolutely is. Also, don't, don't get discouraged because we're not hiring you right now again. This thing comes in circles. Keep grinding. Uh, you know, don't give up. And down the road, I guarantee if you're putting your time in that, you know, shippers are going to lean on you. <laughs> I'm going to strategically wait a couple of months down the line and then clip a part <laughs> of the show of me pitch slapping you. And maybe I'll <laughs> I put it in the door in a couple of months. So. No, don't worry. He does power only. So uh, he has he's an asset-based power only. So. <laughs> Hey, if you got some trailers he broken down, man, I'll, I'll recover that that right away, man. <laughs> oh, it was great to meet you, man. You know, I'm yeah, not, man, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm yeah, not really big on uh, uh, on this type of stuff um, as a carrier. I mean, you know, what what am I gonna deal with with a shipper? You know, you guys are basically moving high volume. I have a small fleet of five, ten, fifteen trucks. So when these conversations come around, what am I really supposed to say to the shipper? Like, like, hey, yeah, do you want to use my four trucks that I have every week? You know, so it's just cool to have these conversations. It's cool to hear, you know, how disciplined yeah, you are, the the background coming from from the the jail system, and I mean, you're just an interesting guy, man. Interesting guy, afraid. Yeah. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I appreciate, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, have a great uh, great rest of the night, Richard, and uh, thanks again for uh, coming on. Take All right, easy, thanks. Mark. Yep, right. you guys too interesting guy man interesting guy. yeah that was fun richard's great i mean and you know i think it's a really good episode for salespeople to listen to i mean i get a lot of messages how do you like get customers you know does this work does this work and there's a pattern you know we've seen in all the shippers we've had on there talking about doing your homework you know and what works and what doesn't work um and it was it was cool richard was a real confident confident guy and a really cool story too um that was really fun yeah, I mean, it's just interesting for me as a carrier because I'm like, like, I'll literally ask brokers, like, is this going to a Lowe's DC? Is this going to a Walmart DC? And if they ever tell me like, oh, I can't tell you that right now, I'll be like, yeah, it's going to a DC. I'm not doing that. And now we talk to, you know, I get a chance to find because those places, like 99% of the time, they don't answer the phone, bro. Like, if you want to call them and ask them, like, this is like one of my first chances to talk to the guy that was running that DC, you know? 
that's interesting to hear from there and you know why they have these delays why they're so strict with stuff and i mean just hearing the volume man two thousand trailers on the lot at any given time 160 dock doors i mean it's just so cool to, to have these chances to talk to, to all these different types of people yeah no it was it's really cool um it was a lot of fun and um get some sleep there and uh yeah well yeah, uh, man, I'm, I'm off to bed happy thursday from over here and <laughs> sounds good if you want to see it, it'll be on youtube tomorrow guys youtube uh spotify apple tomorrow yeah i'll get that all done it'll be there in about 10 minutes have a good night man all right you too